This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Well, hello, everyone. Tuned into FreightWaves Global Supply Chain Week, and welcome to our fireside chat on how Joe Biden's infrastructure plan could bring a once-in-a-generation boost to last-mile delivery. Uh, I'm John Gallagher, senior editor at FreightWaves, and I'm happy to welcome with us today David Bronstein. He's the president of a nonprofit organization called Together for Safer Roads, or, or TSR. Um, through this organization, David has an interesting, interesting perspective in, in the context of the next infrastructure bill on how, safe, how road safety, particularly in the last mile sector, can be a catalyst for making last mile freight delivery more efficient. So welcome, David, to, to Global Supply Chain Week, and thanks for taking the time to be with us today. Yeah, hey, thanks, John. Thanks for inviting us to be here. It's, it's our pleasure to join you this week. Nice. Um, so, so, David, could you start um, by briefly just explaining how Together for Safer Roads started and the, and the organization's primary goals? Yeah, so uh, Together for Safer Roads is a nonprofit, as you said, but it's, it's founded and funded by the private sector. So it was founded back in late 2014 by uh, some companies that uh, wanted to get more involved in global road safety initiatives. So those companies were Anheuser-Busch InBev and AIG and uh, Republic Services and um, several others. And, and they essentially realized that as the roads became a, a public health issue, um, that there really needed to be more partnership between the private sector and the public sector. So that was the reason for for founding uh, TSR. And we've been working ever since to bring private sector technology and data and expertise that can prevent crashes, injuries, and fatalities to this global road safety work that, that's happening around the world. Gotcha. Um, uh, you made a prediction uh, recently that 2021 will be a year where the, it's, it's, it's something that you referred to as uh, roadway digitiz roadway digitization um, that, that 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 receives more spotlight and funding you know especially with the renewed federal focus on infrastructure that President Biden has talked about so far so so first could you just explain what roadway digitization means and then and then why you think it will be getting a bigger spotlight this year yeah sure sorry and I and I gather it might be a mouthful for, for some people. <laughs> for me, anyway. Yeah, eventually we can come up with a better term for it. But it, essentially it means uh, helping uh, road users to understand the infrastructure that we use through digital you know, insight, right? So if you think about the roads right now, uh, certainly everything that exists physically could exist digitally. Uh, whether that's signage or road usage data or other things. And the process of making that information available digitally, uh, as has been happening in so many other parts of our, our community and society, 
is something that we refer to as roadway digitization. So taking things that are currently typically analog or physically based, turning that into digital insight that can be used by road users, especially commercial road users who obviously put a lot of vehicle miles traveled uh, on their vehicles and across their fleets and their supply chains. It's critical that that insight about roadways and especially the safety aspects of roadways becomes more usable. And that's what the promise of digitization is, is to make create more utility from the insight about those roadways. So David, um, truck safety groups are always calling out, and, and, and rightly so, the, the concerning statistics around trucking accidents and injuries and fatalities. I understand that your organization your organization has been getting a handle around a, a particular statistic called near misses. Um, could, could you explain how, how you're collecting that data and talk about how this informs how roads are, are being designed? Yeah, sure. Thank, thanks for the question. So uh, near miss, you know, I think just commonly said, it's just any incident where two road users nearly collided, right? Um, we care about this, obviously, because, you know, a lot of times, you know, there are individual road users, some in large vehicles and some, you know, uh, who are not in vehicles at all. Right. And I think it's just helpful for us as a society and as road users and road authorities to really have a handle on how often that happens, because those are the incidents that go unreported. So uh, TSR had an opportunity uh, going back a couple of years to engage with a startup that was able to take video footage from intersections and calculate near misses. So as opposed to a near miss being a self-reported incident from a road user, whether that's a, a, a truck driver or uh, somebody in a car or, or somebody walking or biking, this actually used video footage to calculate when there was a near incident and how severe that incident may have been if it's something had happened and then it quantifies it. So it's a really, it's a huge step change for everybody that's involved in using our roads because now you can understand things before they happen because we've been able to prove using this technology that these kinds of incidents are actually proxies for other kinds of incidents that actually, you know, have, have more dire consequences like crashes, injuries, and fatalities. So, from a commercial road user standpoint, I, I think we all have a stake in uh, having these better metrics be available to road designers because, quite frankly, they don't always know where the next incident's going to occur. And so we're kind of chasing uh, the next incident. And these, to the extent that we can become more predictive, uh, you know, in understanding where the next uh, incident's going to happen, everything gets safer for all road users. So, uh, you know, especially with, you know, last mile deliver becoming so much more prominent in, you know, our urban centers, uh, we all know how challenging it can be to, to navigate those roads. Uh, having better data and insight into near misses has the potential to really help uh, the authorities to design roads so that you can separate traffic, so that you can uh, direct traffic uh, differently. You can, uh, you know, you can just create better facilities for all road users that keeps everybody safe uh, in sharing the roads. 
Right, right. And, and you know, our, our supply, our global supply chain conference today, we're focusing on food and perishables, which, which includes the last mile delivery to restaurants. Um, over the past year, the, the supply chain that feeds that the, the restaurant sector has been hit hard by the pandemic. Um, with a lot of these local restaurants forced to to you know ratchet down the amount of of supplies that they're receiving due to uh, caps on seating capacity, for example. So I understand TSR partners with carriers in in the in this sector. So are there are there any changes you're you see with regard to um, safety risks over the over the past year regarding the food perishable delivery or, or any learning opportunities here? Yeah, so the first thing I would say is, and this isn't necessarily specific to uh, food and perishables, but, but a general statement is that I think not, not everybody realizes that despite the fact that traffic volumes were down, traffic risk of crashes actually went up. Um, and I, I think that's something just acknowledge that the, there was a 15 to 20% increase in, in crash risk, despite the fact that volumes were down, right? So that affects everybody. As far as food and perishables goes, you know, I think as volumes are coming back up and, and people are going to be starting to hit the streets more, I think that we have learned some things. I was talking with one of our members in public services recently, They've actually been able to transition to a digital training uh, methodology since the pandemic hit that they find to be as effective and more scalable than what they were doing previously. So I think, uh, you know, they're on the back end of food and perishables, right? So, you know, these are obviously Republic Services picking up waste uh, from commercial facilities and residential facilities and they are finding that they can actually train their staff better digitally, certainly better than they ever thought, and it's more scalable than it was before. So that's one sort of counterintuitive finding coming from one of our members. Um, the other parts are, are sort of probably more germane to COVID specifically, like these, you know, food, food and, and uh, perishables industry has seen on the one hand, a decline in the on-premise side of things, restaurants and whatnot, but grocery chains have seen tremendous increases in, in activity in their supply chains. Um, and, and I think that when you look at, you know, being able to deliver goods safely to grocery chains, uh, I think that's an important aspect of this because I, I think that digital um, the digital side of grocery delivery actually has been growing and it grew dramatically as a result of COVID. And I think that's here to stay. So from that standpoint, uh, consumers are going to be, are going to be uh, picking up, especially in suburban areas, going to be picking up more groceries and having them delivered to their homes. Uh, that, that side of the digital supply chain, I think, is, is needs to be looked at. And I know that our members are looking at it and they are, in fact, uh, making some changes to to make the end-to-end -end experience safer, um, and the, you know part of that is also instituting new safety technologies on vehicles that I think is not a trivial thing when you look at it across the supply chain. That they're making their vehicles safer by using all sorts of new uh, technologies on those vehicles that that have actually proven to make them safer during these difficult times. Right. Yeah. Um... You know, Joe Biden said he's going to he plans to work with Congress 
to increase federal funding to a program called the, <clears throat> the Highway Safety Improvement Program, I, I, which I think you're familiar with. It's a federal program administered by the, by the Federal Highway, Highway Administration, um, and it's aimed at reducing traffic fatalities and injuries on all public roads with a, with a focus on leveraging data. So, so what, what does boosting funding for this program mean for the last mile uh, freight segment? Yeah, well, look, again, I think I've said this a couple times, we're, we're all road users, you know, the, the freight and goods side of things, as well as, you know, others that are sharing the roads with commercial road users. And, you know, to the extent that the Highway Safety Improvement Program has been underfunded, uh, let's say, for, for many, across many administrations, it's really important that those funds flow into safety specific improvements, right? When you look at the Biden plan, if you call it an infrastructure program, that's, that's great, that's fine. We need to have our infrastructure upgraded for all sorts of reasons, including the efficient movement of goods. But, but also just in terms of embedding safety in those improvements. So as you're improving a road segment, you should be upgrading it from a safety perspective. It improves things for all road users. Um, I'll give you an example, uh, you know, that the cycling is taking off across the world, right? And commercial road users are encountering cyclists more and more often because of that. And having more cycling, dedicated cycling infrastructure uh, is an important thing. And those highway safety improvement programs are going to emphasize those kinds of improvements, separating cycling traffic from other road users is important. Um, and it doesn't have to negatively impact efficiency either. So carefully planned and well-funded safety improvement programs are a benefit for everybody, uh, especially a last mile delivery where a lot of the cycling, that cycling activity is happening now, um, let alone scooters and the like that are coming onto our roadways Everybody needs to be safe. Nobody wants to have an incident with a vulnerable road user, uh, certainly not somebody that spends their whole day, their whole job is to deliver goods safely to their customers. I, I know that, that nobody in the freight industry wants to have an incident like that. So I, I think you know, more funding for the cyber safety improvement programs is a good thing for everybody. Yeah. Um... Uh, I wanted to ask you also, uh, last week, um, Janet Yellen, the, the, the Treasury Secretary, said that infrastructure, this, this goes to a, uh, how, how we're going to pay for this. So, so, she, so she said basically that probably paying for infrastructure would be through tax increases. So I wanted to get your opinion, David. How, how do you see, how, how do you think that this plan should be paid for? What, what is your take on, on that? Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a tricky question. I, I don't claim to be a, a public sector funding expert, but uh, I could see how, how change the, to taxes might be an element of that. Uh, I also think that, you know, as we look at sustainability, certainly the, the Highway Trust Fund has to be, be looked at again. Um, if, if that is based largely on um, taxes on fuel and the like, then, you know, as fuel sources change, uh, we need to be looking at that. I, I also think that 
with somebody like Pete Buttigieg uh, leading the DOT, I think you might find some creative uh, avenues that are proposed that relate to public-private partnerships um, and, and how we understand who's using roads, who's using them safely, who's using them effectively, and have that be an element of the charging mechanisms for, for road usage. But I, I, I honestly couldn't tell you that I have a preference. I just know it needs to happen. And we need to keep an open mind as, as industry, as well as communities to how we fund it, because we have a terrible amount of technical debt that we have to pay off in terms of the roads being underinvested in. So we should keep an open mind in terms of how we how we put this this together and have multiple stakeholders at the table to as we're making those decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, a few a few weeks ago, I want to ask you about this because um, I hadn't heard about it, but the federal the uh, federal highway administration, they, they tacked on a, a 60 day extension period to a program to um, something called uh, uh, for comments on something called the, the manual on uniform traffic control devices. So apparently this is the, the first major um, first major revision in like 10 years. So what role, if any, does this document play in, in advancing roadway digitization? Yeah, look, it's, it's mostly about, uh, if you do a quick scan of the document, it's mostly about the ways that road users understand the roadways and, and that includes signalization and lane markings and crosswalks and, and signage and things like that. Um, but, but I think when you think about what's happening already in smart cities and roadway digitization, I think it, it will have an important impact. It's an important opportunity for everybody to rethink how people understand how to use the roads, right? And I think as uh, authorities are now going to be forced to look at those things, uh, that, that signal safe usage of roads and efficient uses of roads, we're going to find new opportunities for the private sector and public sector to to get together and communicate that information in new ways. Um, I think a lot of the audience are already using a lot of technology in their in their supply chains, and to the extent that that same information about the uniform traffic control devices becomes digitized through this process, I think that's a good thing for everybody because if you're using a routing system. Uh, we know for a fact that a lot of the information that, that is already out there for the taking isn't in those routing systems, and it could be. And I think that this uniform traffic control devices up, update actually gives us another incentive to look at those things and bring that insight to uh, the freight industry as well as other road users to, um, to, to, to just make it safer and more efficient for everybody. Gotcha. I'm, I'm just, you, you mentioned um, you mentioned the uh, Secretary of Transportation in your last answer. You said, but but, but based on what you've read or, or seen so far, David, um, with the approach that has been taken, that the approach that that Buttigieg has, has been taking to to infrastructure, do you what what role do you see him playing with regard to to President Biden's uh, blueprint, so to speak? Yeah, I I uh, think that there fairly well aligned. Uh, look, we'll see. We haven't actually seen the, the proposal yet at a granular level. But, uh, you know, from what I gathered, Buttigieg's platform when he was running uh, is very similar to what Biden has now proposed. So I think there's good alignment there. 
uh, from a policy standpoint. And and look, I think while Buttigieg doesn't have as much transportation expertise as you know, let's say a, a lifelong transportation uh, agency executive, uh, he he is a smart individual. I think he's pretty thoughtful, and they have started to hire some real pros who have been in the industry for a long time. So. I think that combination, it, it bodes well, um, but the devil will be in the details, right? And, you know, there are going to have to be compromises made, um, but but I'm hopeful that uh, we're going to get this infrastructure bill passed and that it's going to benefit not only safety, but uh, also sustainability and other areas that are critical when it comes to um, managing our infrastructure. Yeah, I, I uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, my... Uh, our, my, my editor is on uh, Freightways TV and we're doing a little update and I, my, he, he asked me for my prediction about an infrastructure bill. And I said that, you know, obviously it remains to be seen, but I predicted that um, I thought we'd finally going to get a long term surface bill passed this year just based on Biden's stated intentions of, of willing to compromise with uh, yeah. with both sides of the aisle. Um, and, and this is a this is one of those. It's a bi, you know, it's his, an issue that's as bipartisan as, as they come. So. It really is. Yeah, so we'll have to see. Well, um, well, thank you, David. That, that was a really discuss, uh, really good discussion. Um, for those, for those of you who want to check out your organization, uh, they can find it at uh, togetherforsaferroads.org. Um, so again, thank you uh, very much, David, for joining us. Thanks for having me, John. It was a pleasure. And thanks to everyone uh, to, for joining us today. And stay tuned for the next panel.